This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And we're going to dig into the second scrimmage. Georgia's got scrimmage number two coming up, uh, and and it's a big one. It's the last one before G-Day. It's kind of that forgotten scrimmage, if you think about it, because the first one, everybody's so excited to hear about it, and and you're almost always going to hear the exact same thing coming out of it, which is the team has a long way to go. Then you got the second scrimmage, and then it's G-Day, and, and this one's kind of the middle child of of the whole thing, and, and it's going to get forgotten, but we've got some things we want to discuss as far as what, what Georgia needs to be hearing out of this second scrimmage and, and what we think uh, would be a good thing for Georgia to hear out of it. Talk about camps opening up. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the whole idea that visits and camps and evaluation is going to open up and let Rusty and Kip hit on that. And then a little Masters talk. Uh, right now, as we speak, there's a, there's a former Bulldog, actually, I believe, leading the way, tied for the lead, Brian Harmon at three under. Things are fast and firm in Augusta. Uh, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a little bit of talk there at the end of the show because, I don't know, man, the Masters is just awesome. Uh, but, Rusty, when you look at the first, second scrimmage, I don't think anything was said out of that first scrimmage that's going to surprise you. You know, Kirby Smart, the eternal critic, long way to go, this and that, and, you know, everything's got to get better. What do you think Georgia needs to be hearing? If you could pick one thing that Georgia needs to be hearing coming out of the second scrimmage, what is it? Well, I think all Georgia fans would be pretty united on this, and that's stay healthy. Um you know, the, the Pickens, George Pickens deal, tearing ACL, and then the, the kind of Jermaine Burton scare really, uh, I think Kip touched on the last podcast where I was listening to it yesterday, and then Kip was saying that, you know, there were even Georgia fans saying that we shouldn't even have, we should just put the brakes on things, but we all understand why spring practice is there, and it's part of the game. So I think first and foremost, the Georgia fans, are they don't want to hear any injury news. You know, Arian Smith got hurt last week as well. He's going to be okay, but um, you just don't want to have any type of injuries right now, especially at wide receiver. My goodness, I don't know that I've seen a team this ever this banged up. We started talking about Dominic Blaylock and Marcus Rosemey Jackson, all those guys that are you know out right now. So uh, number one, stay healthy. But number two, I think you want to see uh, you probably want to see some of these younger guys on defense. You know, the Jalen Kimbers and Keely Ringos and Nylon Greens and those type of guys. Uh, getting more reps and maybe they can make a play, get an interception or two, because 
everybody knows uh, with Georgia and Tyke Smith was a big deal, the West Virginia transfer, but everybody knows when you look at the grand scheme of things and where Georgia has got the biggest question marks, it is no doubt in that secondary and it's no doubt at those corner positions when you're losing guys that are uh, probably going to be three draft picks, uh, two of them really, really high. So, so we'll see where DJ Daniels ends up, but I've had some guys, uh, some very, very talented guys that left the roster and the next guy's up. So I think from a Georgia fans' perspective, you want to stay healthy and you want to hear some positive news out of those young corners. There's there's no doubt about the health thing. And, you know, on top of all that, I'm told Justin Robinson is also dealing with something very minor, a little ankle, a little foot type thing. Um, you know, another receiver. And, you know, listen, we could talk all day about the receivers. And, and listen, I know where Georgia fans are coming from, you know, with, you know, the receiver position. All these guys made a glass, you know what I mean? But at the same time, you're talking about you got two ACLs, you got a dislocated ankle, you got a sprained wrist, you got a hyperextended knee, and you've got another foot ankle injury. It's not like there's a common thread or anything. It's just it's just kind of a run of, of poor luck. And, you know, maybe it bounces back in Georgia's favor come fall. That, that you know, that's kind of how these things seem to work. And, you know, I remember Kirby Smart's first couple years at Georgia, uh, you couldn't really find a, a major injury. They, they had some minor ones, but nothing major. Um, but, but, you know, the receiver positions beaten up and, um, they, they need to stay healthy at every other position as well. Kip, what's the one thing that you point to that, that if you're hearing this coming out of the second scrimmage, it's, it's good for Georgia. This Somebody has established themselves as Georgia's left tackle. I think, you know, I, you look at that position. I mean, everyone talks about the secondary and now with, the, the loss of George Pickens, obviously, who's stepping up, who's going to step up at receiver is going to be on a lot of minds as well. But I think if you're really talking about kind of the biggest question marks that we still have at this point in this spring, it's who is George's left tackle? You know, who will that person be? And, you know, Georgia's had really good play at that position in recent years. It's been a, a key reason for their success. And you, you don't just want to have good play in the SEC at left tackle. You really want to have, you know, great play at that position. It's just the key to really being able to do whatever you want in the passing game as well as the run game, just having a well-balanced offense. You want to have, you know, that that key left tackle position, you know, getting up echelon on play. And so whoever it is, you just want to see somebody step up and kind of take hold of that position, you know, it, Everyone looks at recruiting rankings. You want that next bright young star to step in at every position. So a lot of eyes are going to be on Broderick Jones and, and what he can do kind of in, in year two, having that full offseason, having spring football to be able to focus on that and, and really continue to develop as a player. Xavier Trust kind of thrown into the, you know, the mix at the end of last year, definitely got, you know, thrown right into the fire in that in that Cincinnati game in, in, in the Peach Bowl. But I don't think the book is written on him just yet, even though he he had kind of a, you know, maybe a tough outing out there in that Peach Bowl. But whoever it is, you want somebody to, to step up because the health of JT Daniels is obviously paramount to Georgia's offense and Georgia's ability to really compete for an SEC championship this season. And, and so that position is really going to be important for Georgia this year. And you really want all the reports that, to be that 
someone has emerged as the clear number one left tackle. And I mean, Jamari Sawyer can play the position and play the position really well, but his best football still might be at guard at, you know, whether that's in the NFL or at Georgia this season. So having somebody move in and, and take over left tackle with all the guys that Georgia's recruited along the offensive line, that's something I'm looking to see it, the reports on that, see what we see at G-Day as well. Because if, if Broderick Jones, if he can push, you know, push for that number one spot or if Xavier Trust can, can, you know, take those next steps, that's huge for Georgia. Just moving into the offseason and moving into fall camp, knowing that you got a guy you can trust there and that JT Daniels can trust to protect him as well as open up holes in the run game. Yeah, Kip, I agree because when, when I look at those position battles for Georgia, um, I've completely written off the cornerback battle for, for this spring. I just don't think – I don't think you know, progress is going to be made, but I don't think we're going to learn a whole lot. I mean, maybe we will at G-Day by, by who plays and how well. You know, Eric Stokes made a couple really good plays in that G-Day before he started to immerse, so maybe we'll learn something then. But as far as the depth charts go, I think this is that's something that's going to take a long time to develop. I think we'll know more – after this scrimmage and after the next yeah, after G day about the left tackle position. And, you know, listen, I, I've said it from the jump and I said, and I believe it wholeheartedly. I, I just think it's, I think it's a luxury for Georgia because, you know, you do have that safety net in Jamari Sawyer. Uh, you know, I don't think Xavier trust should be written off. I, I think that, you know, ever since kind of that first week or two of spring practice, I think Xavier trust is kind of, moved in a good direction while Broderick Jones may have kind of stalled out a little bit. And and I still think Austin Blasky may even be, in, be a factor of that position or at center. And I think there's still a lot left decided, but, but uh, you know, from, from what I understand uh, there, there's still, um, th- there are some guys I believe that are kind of putting themselves in position to be that top six, seven, eight uh, guys on the offensive line, maybe even up to 10 and that's good news for Georgia. And then you got a Marius Mims too. There, there's some of these young guys are are going to develop over the summer. Um, you know, the one thing I'm looking for, and it's very, I feel like it's kind of general, but with all of the injuries on offense and the time the defense has had to get its feet up under it, I expect this scrimmage on Saturday for Kirby Smart to say something to the effect of the defense is starting to close the gap with the offense. Not necessarily that the defense won the day or or is even close to winning the day or, or, or got the better of the offense in this situation or that situation. But when you start talking about all of the all the injuries that Georgia has at receiver and and you know the defense has stayed for you know relatively healthy um, and and has you know I think this will be the twelfth practice uh, on Saturday, it'll count as the twelfth practice. I think it, it's logical to expect the defense is starting to catch up a little bit. Those guys should be able to play the run really well to begin with. The, the defensive backfield should be starting to get their feet under them a little bit and start to kind of learn um, a little bit more about what's expected and start to play to a higher standard. And I think it would be perfectly understandable to hear that at this point um, with with everything that's gone on. And I and I do expect to hear it. I, th- I think it would be a good thing. Uh, for Georgia to hear that. Let's take a break here real quick. On the other side, we're going to get into visits and camps, let Rusty and Kip kind of wax poetic about those things, and uh, talk a little bit of Masters here to end the show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, guys, you're going to have to kind of fill me in. Rusty, I won't throw it to you here. What What's available, what's not, what's set in stone, what's not, what still has to be voted on when it comes to visits and camps? Well, they got to vote on everything. But uh, right now, it looks like they're leaning towards opening up June. Um, so you would have one day camps, you'd be able to have seven on sevens. Um, you would be able to have official visits on the weekends. Right now, it looks like Georgia for sure is going to have three of those four weekends for the official visits. The first three, not sure they're doing it on the fourth weekend, but it's very front loaded, uh, heavy. Georgia's kind of taking the philosophy of getting them on campus as soon as you can. Maybe they're thinking if something happens, at least we got those kids on campus, but. You know, you look at Denial Amor Sedge, you look at Branson Robinson, you look at Gunnar Stockton, you look at Kojo Antoine, um, you look at all those uh, – Addison Nichols, you know, those types of players, uh, Michael Williams, those guys are scheduled to be, you know, in Athens the first weekend. So the big thing for me is these seven-on-sevens. They're going to have seven-on-sevens every Wednesday and Thursday for the first three weeks. ton of teams will get more into that. I think this thing's going to get voted on next Thursday by the NCAA right now, everything seems to be leaning towards they're going to open it up in June. Now, there's going to be some stipulations. It's going to be a little different, but this is going to be the first time the kids have been on campus since um, uh, February of 2020, which is, in, uh, you know, March, the one weekend in March, they got the one weekend in March before March 10th before that happened. So they got one weekend. So it'd be almost 15 months since kids have been on campus, you know, in face-to-face with coaches, which is insane. So with all that being said, I think the one thing everyone should be watching, um, and again, I, I don't have enough to, to, to say one way or the other, will the SEC uh, allow the inter-conference transfer eligibility immediately? My gut is it's not going to happen, but I'll, we'll see how that thing's voted on. So there's a lot of stuff that's going to be voted on here in the next couple of weeks, but I anticipate based off everything I'm reading um, that, that they're going to vote next week to, uh, to bring those items to vote. And it looks like June the 1st will be um, open season for visits. And it's going to be, it's going to be like the old school, you know, all all of us, all of us covered that before the early signing day. You remember how January used to be crazy. Those four weekends, it'd be the biggest weekends. That is kind of how I anticipate these things because these kids have been through enough. These these visits will be very, very large. These kids will be making decisions at some point after these visits, a lot of them, or they'll be taking a, a school will take a very large lead for them after them and their families are able to get on these college campuses for uh, four weekends in a row. I've got a question for you guys when it comes to the, the camps and the visits. So w- – you know, I covered recruiting there for a little while. Been out of the game for I don't know since 2015, so it's been a really long time for me. But one of the things I remember so vividly about covering recruiting and and dog night and those things, and Georgia's doing things differently now. It's working for them, all that stuff. But uh, I don't want I'm gonna throw it to Kip first. 
how big of a recruiting tool not I'm not talking about evaluation tool because that's understood but how big of a recruiting tool is it for camps and seven on sevens to get these kids on your campus and 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 especially for the camps have the your ability as a coach to actually coach these players how big of a recruiting tool is that to kind of bring a guy in as opposed to just being able to kind of woo them um you know with a visit I'll give you a, a current example from this cycle of how holding a camp and, and having the opportunity for both Georgia's staff to work a guy out and for a prospect to have that experience. You look at Bear Alexander, the defensive tackle out of uh, Denton Ryan in Texas. You're just a, a guy that physically projects, you know, very similar to Jordan Davis, just having, you know, massive size, being, you know, like 6'4, six, 6'5, six, over 300 pounds his recruitment, you know, everyone kind of thinks it came out of nowhere. Him committing to Georgia, in-state Texas A&M have been on him forever. But, I mean, he mentions the fact that he came to Georgia's camp in 2019, two years ago, and that experience of working with Trey Scott, Georgia's defensive line coach, stood out to him. Having that experience and building that bond with Trey Scott – played a huge role in Georgia landing his verbal commitment. So not only having that experience, but also now having the opportunity to get him back on campus, renew that experience, remind him of, of why he committed in the first place is, is a huge tool for Georgia. I, you know, the opportunity to, to, to know what it's going to be like in a sense to, to work with your position coach at the next level is a huge value for especially out-of-state prospects who are they're, – they're not around all the time. They're not able to go to Athens four and five times, maybe, you know, during the season like a lot of guys in the Atlanta area might be able to do as far as visiting Athens. So the, the summer camps are, are a huge tool for Georgia, but also just for the, the recruits themselves, their evaluation process, they're able to compare what that experience was like what the workouts were like compared to other programs. And as we've said before in the podcast, just getting guys on campus has been a major, major part of why Kirby Smart and Georgia has been able to recruit at a high level. And they haven't been able to do that for now. I mean, obviously now 13 months, and if they're able to get recruits on campus in June, I mean, that's that's 15 months – that Georgia's gone without hosting recruits, but also multiple cycles of recruits that they have yet to evaluate in person in any format. So, as you said, the evaluation process is huge, but also just the overall recruiting aspect. Georgia is selling its program nationally. And if you have a guy like Branson Robinson, who likes Georgia a lot, maybe has Georgia number one right now, but still isn't sure, he's waiting for those June visits to potentially make a decision. Del McGee getting him on campus and being able to potentially work out with him and show him what it's going to be like it is huge for Georgia as they try to land their top, what we think could be their top running back target for this cycle, a guy that has the potential to be an elite running back in college. Some of the best film that we've seen, obviously a weight room warrior as well. And that's, that's huge for him. And then Kamari Wilson, the number one safety in the country, 
you know, down there at IMG Academy in Florida, Georgia is potentially battling in-state Miami for him. You definitely want to have an opportunity to get him on campus, get him, you know, familiar and comfortable with Jamal Adai and, and get him more acclimated for, for what it might be like to, to be at Georgia as well. So as they're recruiting a lot of, out of uh, a good mix of in-state, out-of-state guys, you, you want this these visits because it gives them opportunity to back up what they've been telling these recruits about what Georgia's like, about what playing for Georgia would be like, about what the coaches are like, and just seeing them in person again. And these are guys, Kirby Smart's got a staff of recruiters and, you know, they've had to adapt to recruiting over Zoom calls, but the staff is really built to recruit in person. And if they're able to get these recruits on campus, you know, I think that it bodes really well for this recruiting class. And as we said, it, it projects to potentially be another top three class, you know, one of the better classes we've seen, but they got to, they got to win some tough battles. And this is really how you win them by getting them on campus over the summer and getting some in-person contact with the coaching staff. Rusty, what do you say about that, man? What do you got to add as far as the, the, the whole dynamic of, of being able to coach these guys and show them, not just evaluate them, but show them what you're like as a coach. It's big. You know, I'm, I'm interested because we're late into a cycle. We're not kind of late, but we kind of are. A lot of these kids have made decisions. Um, you know, which kids work out, which ones don't. You know, like Kip said, it, you know, Bear Alexander came in and worked out two years ago, so they had a scouting report on him already. So it's invaluable for Georgia to get their own evaluation as a person that runs camps. And obviously there's a lot of eyes on, you know, our camps and everybody runs really, really good camps around the country. But these guys work these kids out, and and um, I'm interested to see which ones do work out, which ones don't. Um, but you know, I think Kip touched on everything. It's just kind of uh, the whole piece of the puzzle. You get to do your thing, and you get to meet in Georgia. We all know that Georgia's been really, really under Kirby Smart. Georgia has been really, really good uh, with their visits. You know, we've heard a lot of positive things, and they 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 have had. You know, those visits have turned some recruits, literally. Uh, so the big thing, too, they're going to have a brand-new building, I think May 2nd, I believe. They're going to have a brand-new weight room football facility to show these recruits. So you know, they're going to be the first guys to step in there. So that's going to be impressive and, and those types of things. So there's a lot going on, but, you know, let's, let's make sure that it happens. But right now I fully anticipate these June visits happening and, and camps and um, it's going to be me and Kip's going to have some, some, some busy Sundays, the old school, uh, get in touch with these kids when they get off campus and those types of things. But, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, it's going to, it's going to be weird to have that kind of a recruiting vibe in June, man, but it'd be certainly welcome for everyone. And I love it. I love it. Not because listen, uh, my, my life is not, uh, swayed one way or another based on who Georgia gets or who visits Georgia. I just love the what it signifies, a little bit more of a of a return to normalcy. Um, you know, vaccines, all this stuff's happening, and and things are opening up, and you know, hopefully we'll have full stands this fall because of again what it signifies, and and that's kind of a return to normalcy, and we're all kind of uh, looking forward to that. Speaking of return to normalcy, and and. Uh, I, wanted to talk about the masters but i had to bring up something real quick i had a good friend of mine chris Irvin. shout out to him loyal listener to the podcast uh he he had got a good laugh out of our 
uh, segment last week about the punter. Whenever I talked about the punter on the front end, and you wanted to talk about it, then Rusty made it wait till end. He said he was on pins and needles, wanting to hear I about mean, this punter. I mean, so, you just, you just, I mean, it's worse than a a, a, a wrestling back in the eighties, man. You made the, the main <laughs> event all the way to the end. I mean, we should have got one to it, man. Right to yeah. the punter. That was everybody was waiting on that. Hey, man, uh, I know everybody was waiting on it, but it, hey, he was he was excited. You know, I don't think he follows. Uh, the the recruiting is as hard as our folks do over at the junkyard. So he wanted to know about this Brett Thorson cat. So he he said he was uh he said he was really excited there to wait to the end of the show. So uh, we kept him locked in for the entire thing. Uh, but big shout out to him. He's a very loyal listener. Uh, and and this time he's going to get to finish up with the Masters. Um, and and guys, we're not golf experts. You know, I can break ninety, but that's about it. Um, it ain't anything special. But uh, wanted to talk about it just because of how much it means to so many different people. And and you know, right here, you know, the week before G Day, Rusty, what do you got going on for the Masters? What are you, any traditions? Anything you got going on? What do you normally do for it? Um, the definitely it's the it's the one tournament maybe that and the and the the u.s open you know that i watch all four rounds you know gonna watch on the app gonna watch you know all day long watch the rerun tonight and and uh, certainly the way the course is playing this year you know as we were recording you talk about brian Harmon. i was fortunate enough to play frederica back last summer uh right as things were opening up down in st simon's area and of course that that course there is um you know when i pull up to the practice range and Brian Harmon standing there, Matt Kuchar standing there and Davis love standing there. Here I am with my God knows what kind of clubs I'm swinging in my bag of noodles, golf balls. Um, I knew I was kind of out of my, out of my way, but I stood back and watched Brian Harmon hit for a little while. And it was a 170 pin, uh, on the, on the driving range. I'm not sure what club he had, but Brian Harmon, is probably every ounce of about five seven. When you see him in person, he's a lefty, and maybe five seven one fifty, maybe one fifty. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, everything he hit was so pure, like it was uh, unbelievable. You know, I'm on the driving range, trying not to hurt my back, trying not to kill anybody, trying not to top one, get a little loose, and let's go play. He was hitting a bucket of balls right at that pin, dialing in that club. And I'm telling you, Jake, he was all over it. I mean, and just smooth as can be. These guys are incredibly talented. The way this course is playing right now, um, it's going to be fun to watch if the weather holds off because these guys are – this is the best in the world, and this is the Super Bowl of golf. And, I mean, you're sitting here, and these guys are 300 a minute. And, and they're barely holding on. I mean, they're wanting to shoot par. That would be a great day for them. So I love it. You know, I'm not the biggest golf fan, but the Masters, obviously the tradition in Georgia, what that that thing means, and, and, and I've grown to love it. Um, you know, every year I, I, I watch this thing, soak it up, and I'll, I'll take a break, and you know, from golf. But this is, this is the Super Bowl for, for, for golf, and, and just glad it's in our state. Man, I, 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 I'm a huge golf fan. I get into every single tournament almost every single weekend. Uh, I've got that NBC sports gold, whatever, so that I can watch every shot of everything, get excited every Thursday when something comes out, but nothing really match, you know, nothing really can 
match the Masters and, and just kind of how it is. And I love how they, they do it. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting here while we're recording this podcast watching DJ double bogey 18 and uh, end up two over the defending champ. So I'm, I'm very much into it. I want to play every single day this weekend, but I won't because uh, it's got too much going on with, uh, with you know, with Georgia scrimmaging and everything. But um, just one of the cooler events in all the sports, and I, I definitely really enjoy it. Kip, I, 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 you and I have never probably had a conversation about golf other than you living near a prominent uh, Atlanta area golf course. But do you get into the Masters? You never hesitate to try to give away my address on this podcast. I, I think that my annual tradition – in terms of the masters is finding the best pimento cheese sandwich I can get, uh, in, you know, near, nearby and loading up on it. And that's about it. That's, that's the tradition that I have right now. I think my favorite is at a place called homegrown, which I will not say how close that is to my house. I'll just say it's, it's in the area, but homegrown is, is definitely one of my favorite, places to uh to, to, to get pimento cheese as well as the fox brothers air quote burger at, since it's not a burger but it does come loaded with pimento cheese i've had that at, at least a couple uh masters since i so moved to uh the area in atlanta that i live in but you know that's that's usually the main thing i try to lock in is is having as much pimento cheese as i can to feel like i am participating in, in the master's tradition as much as possible. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll really be, you know, catching up with you guys to see, you know, how, how this year's goes. Cause you know, I'll be hitting the road this weekend for, for my big road trip that I'm pumped for. But it, it seems like once again, weather is playing a huge role and, and how this year's, uh, you know, tournament's going to go. So that, that part always intrigues me just how, you know, the elements uh, affect not just the tee times, but, you know, how, how the greens play and how everyone reacts to something like that because just not, you know, just hitting hitting the, the fairway is a huge task for, for most golfers, not just slicing the heck out of the ball and just having, you know, having the conditions that it seems like they kind of have every other year at the Masters just – makes it really entertaining for for me as a very casual viewer that's that's one thing about the masters is it's, it's never the same there's always a different look there's always a different feel and it's definitely different this year seeing as how they played it late fall uh almost borderline winter and now they're playing it again in the spring it's really cool to have two of them uh so close together and and uh, we'll see how the georgia players uh uh you know fare in it because uh there are six former uh, UGA golfers in the field, and, and one is the top leaderboard right now. Like we said, Brian Harmon, three under, uh, tied for the lead right now with Patrick Reed and Hideki Matsuyama. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, that's all we got. We'll be with you next week, talk about what we heard out of that second spring scrimmage and a lot of other stuff. Uh, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. And you guys take it easy. <laughs>